Welcome to episode 45 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, we talk about a couple of things involving whales and learn about some favorites that we think are adorable, even though most people probably don't. And of course, learn about another awesome animal of the week. If you want to have a say in next week's Animal of the Week, head over to our Patreon page to vote in our listener's choice for this month. But now, it's time to jump into episode 45 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. Welcome to episode 45 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new selection of animals. But before we get into that, I have to address something from last episode. Mm -hmm. I said that I was crazy and forgot to look up that tongue twister about our last animal of the week. The, the titty um, cock. <laughs> yep, and that's the only reason I thought of, knew of titty cock was because that tongue twister from theater... Oh, I looked it up. It's pretty great. Given I have not done this since I was like 13, so hopefully I remember the inflections. Here we go, Casey. Trinidad and the big Mississippi and the town Honolulu and the lake Titicaca. The Pococot... Well, I fucked that part up. <laughs> the Poco... That's hard to say. Take two. Trinidad and the big Mississippi and the town Honolulu and the lake Titicaca. The Popocatepetl is not in Canada, rather in Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. Canada, Malaga, Rimini, Brindisi. Canada, Malaga, Rimini, Brindisi. Yes, Tibet, 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 Tibet. Nagasaki, Yokohama. Nagasaki, Yokohama. There you have it, folks. That is a literal tongue twister for theater that they teach young people. I could not be a theater. No, but it's pretty great, and that's how I knew. And the late Titicaca. Moving along. Um, so tell me, Casey, what have you been up to since last time I saw you? I finally received some graduation stuff. Yay. How long till your graduation? Tomorrow. Yes. As <laughs> now, technically, we did record this a couple days in advance, so it's a few days away. Yes. But still. Anyway, continue. Yes. So I got my cap and gown. My sister's jealous of my gown because mm. she thinks it looks better than hers did. Oh, they're caps and gowns. Yes, but mine, um, hers was just a typical gown, and yeah. then it had the little metal, not even metal, I don't know what you call it, on the little zipper that had her university's name, whereas mine doesn't have that, but it has my university on the sleeve. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't have any of that, I don't think. Yeah, and then I also, I already have a regal, the, is it regalian, or is it called something else? The sash thing with my university on it. I don't actually know what that's called. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I'm upset though that there was problems with productions, so my honors medals are not being delivered and I have to pick them up on day of graduation. Yay. Yeah, which means I have to interact with people, oh, which I don't gosh, like doing. It's terrible. Absolutely yeah. Terrible. Also, I much prefer my graduation to my sister's because hers was a whole formal, typical graduation ceremony, mm -hmm. whereas mine is like just blocks of students coming up getting a picture of them walking out basically. Wow. Okay. It's very condensed and it's like I would be I'm so much happier with this than Is sitting that just through because a, of COVID or yeah, oh, it's, okay. It's our COVID procedure. 
Yeah, I just remember mine because it's obviously your high school graduation is the whole school. Yeah. But then college was like all separated by departments. Mm -hmm. And we had like one of the shittiest locations because we weren't that big a department compared to others. I remember I was confused when my sister graduated. Um, She sent me the link for her ERS and it's like, and it said it was for the humanities graduation ceremonies. Like, wait, so is this, do they have separate ceremonies for all departments? Like, no, it was just... That was the link for some reason. Oh, weird. And it so was So they just, had the, they could not have had the whole school. That'd they be did. crazy. For a university? Yes. Hers is like the oh smallest public university in California. So it wasn't as intensive, except for the communication. So many communications. Yeah, oh yeah. It's well, like, my degree is under communications, but uh-huh. we still had our own thing. Because I thought mm. we were going to be just with communications, which would have been huge. Yeah. I, it was probably business that had the football field. I went yeah. to that school. I've never seen our football field. I just realized. <laughs> I lived up there for like four years. I ne- more than four years. I've, I never saw the football field. I've been to my university's baseball field. I don't. I don't even know where. I don't know if we have. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen the baseball field because I. That's where I had to go pick up my parking permit because I always did it last minute and, and never had it mailed to me. Oh, I and so I always saw this sign. It's like, we are not responsible for damages to your car. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, no, we had like this random side building. Like other places mm-hmm. had nicer areas and ours yeah. were one of the smaller departments. Yeah. So. And um, one of my TAs earlier this quarter did a tour, a little field trip for like looking for insects on our campus. And it's like all of us like, oh, we miss, I miss you campus. No, and it's yeah. like, shut up! You're returning it next quarter. Yeah, I'm leaving. I never get to enjoy it again. You literally, you were there like what one one uh, quarter, two, two and quarters? a two and a half kind yeah, of. Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, really, just two. Yeah, two. All right. Well, you'll have it, and hope you will have a good graduation. Are you gonna have a party after? Not really. Um, my sister already graduated. We didn't really have a party. We picked up dinner though for her. Okay. But um, my friend, who also goes to the same university as her, um, they went and got Korean barbecue afterwards. Yeah? Yeah. That's a party. That's what constitutes a party. I mean, it is good. But yes. Like... I, I, I love me some Korean barbecue, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's exciting. And then you have to start the job hunt. Yes. Probably an internship at first because I have no relevant work experience. I worked at a pet store, so. Not, that's not getting me any that's jobs. That's not, yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. It's better then, if you worked, like, you know, a Target. But. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm also going to be looking at graduate programs and stuff, so. Oh, that's right. You're looking at that crazy stuff. Yes. Because you're a nut, so. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, my sister was thinking about it a little bit, but then she was like, she would only go for her master, she told me, and then she was, like, thinking about writing her thesis and it's like it's not that bad and it's done over two years so it's not as bad as you think (laughs) and it's like a phd is done over five to seven years yeah it's like so (sighs) i don't know yeah well have fun with that Mm -hmm. um well i had all of you know an hour free while i was eating lunch again that's always how it seems to go and i was like you know what i'm gonna watch another one of the documentaries to keep fulfilling my job of letting people know. And if you are new to this and you have not heard this before, if you're listening for the first time to this season two, um, I watch the, starting with the Disney nature documentaries, and it's very annoying. They do not have a rating system, so you know what you're getting into if you're going to be crying or if it's just like a nice day, nature documentary. 
So there's a rating system of not safe, which means like the animals you're following, like the baby dies or multiple of the ones you're following die. Mostly safe where like probably some animal dies, but it might not be like the immediate baby or whatever you're following. And then safe where like, I mean, there's always some death, but it's no one you're really following and it's, you know, yeah. no, it doesn't make you sad. And it's completely different from my rating system. Yes, which is just N for nature. Yes, you remembered. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same for everything. And so I was like, okay, I just, I wasn't really feeling the natural parks. Um, natural parks? <laughs> National parks. I wasn't feeling that. So I was like, I'm going to go back to Disney because I know they have that new series, Whales, which is also The Secrets of Whales, which is so dumb. Oh, why? It's just the narration. I'm like, oh, really? Do we need this? I like the narrator. It's Sigourney Weaver. Th- it's just that I just don't like that, that setup. It's weird. I think it's I saw described. something on Curiosity Stream that was titled similar to something of Whales. I want to say Secrets, but that's Well, it not. is. It's a mix of Disney nature and nat- National Geographic. Mm. So they work together on it. Anyway, but um, so this is a series, but so far there are only four mm. episodes. I don't know if that's how it's going to be. And who do you think they cover in the first episode? So who do you know I skipped immediately? Orcas. Mm-hmm. Now nah, I need to watch it. Screw <laughs> them. I think from the ads, one of their babies might die, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because when they were advertising, it was like their losses or their like sadness and their successes and blah, blah. But literally, in the little description for that episode, the matriarch passes down their hunting techniques. I'm like, that's going to be awful. It's going to be awful. It's going to be orcas being orcas and being assholes. Anyway, the second one was humpback. Don't blame them. They're just orking. Whatever. The second one was humpback, so I was like, that's cool. But my eye swung over to my favorite, which was belugas and narwhals together. Also, those were two of my picks, and belugas are my favorite, and belugas are even better in my opinion now after watching this thing. So I watched The Secret Secrets of Whales, episode three, which is Beluga Kingdom. And uh, I'm going to start off right now. I gave it the rating of mostly safe. So yay. Um, And basically the takeaway from this is that belugas are the best. (laughs) So they follow a couple different beluga. It's not just one pod. Like a bunch of them come together in different points. So just kind of different regions where belugas go. And one of them is up. Most of it was in Canada, <laughs> in various parts of Canada. And they go to where this um, freshwater lake comes into the ocean, and it's really shallow, and there's gravel there, and they all rub on the ground and, like, mm-hmm. get their skin off, and it's so cute. And then they do what they call the banana, and they have their head and their tail sticking out at the same time, and they're so cute. And they have a lot of babies there, and they're just so cute, and it's adorable. Anyway, so those are awesome. That one was my favorite group to follow. And they, like, they come in mass like I don't know if that one reached thousands I think that one reached like 2,000 it was a lot of individuals mm-hmm. anyway so there was that gathering of them and then there were two or three other gatherings one of them which is where the sad part comes in um and of course was it that one? I think it's that the main one where they go over that I forget the name of it now but um where the, gra- the rocks are that they rub on it's really shallow too that one to get there on their journey they, of course, have to go through orca territory. Yep. And anyway, so also to say about belugas, they're, they have super diverse language, and they even mm-hmm. think they might have names for each other, and they talk to each other all the time, and they're just perfect and wonderful, and I love them. Anyway, but it gets to a point, and it's like, and they have, like, the daughter, right, with the mom, and they're like, she teaches her that, maybe it's the son. I don't remember. There are many <laughs> whales. They follow. <laughs> um, and they're like, they teach them that in this area, we don't talk. You only mm-hmm. communicate by feel because orcas will hear you and you have to be like 
shallower, not shallower, deeper and stuff, and mm-hmm. just like in the murk, and you don't want to be seen. And you have to when you go up to breathe, you have to do it really quietly. So no orca murdering things there. <laughs> so that's good. But obviously that happens. Yes. <laughs> it just did not happen in this thing. Anyway, so yay, orcas in this. Spoiler alert: Do not kill any belugas that you see in this. <laughs> yay, love it. However, why is it, Casey? Why is it that your two favorite animals in the world <laughs> like to kill my favorite whale? Okay, it's it's messed up. It's a circle of life. So anyway, and I mean, I feel kind of bad for your animals too, but like they didn't show that death, but it was probably awful. Hmm. So what happens is. They're, you know, swimming through, and they have the baby and the mom. This is a different baby and mom. And what happens is the polar bears swim out, and also the shots they get of this stuff is crazy awesome because mm. they're totally up looking down on the polar bear, and the polar bear swims out, and he goes onto, like, this little rock area because it's, like, there's some, like, sandbars and stuff in the area. So this location, which I think is also in Canada, they're almost all in Canada in parts of it, um... They have to, like, swim over sandbars and stuff, which is problematic because if the mm-hmm. tide goes out, they can get stuck. Anyway, so, but this is also where polar bears hunt, and they come looking for them because they need food, obviously, to survive. And a beluga is a lot of food. Um, so the polar bears are stalking them, and at one point, so the problem is that when they're down in the water, they can, you know, make all their noises and all their sonar stuff and, like, tell where things are. But they don't know about the polar bear who's on the surface. Mm-hmm. So it's only when they jump in the water and then it's like, she knows that splash. So then they like take off and it's like polar bears can only swim like six miles an hour or whatever. And yeah. belugas can do like 30 or whatever. No, like 16, whatever. It's a lot faster. Mm-hmm. So the point is just swim really quick. So then they show them and they're like taking off. And you see this polar bear all from like an aerial view going after them. And then another adult gets kind of separated from the group and it winds up with the mom and the baby. And they go to swim over a sandbar. But the tide has gone out, mm. so the baby got over, but the mom and the adult are stuck. They can't get over it, and it's just awful because they're struggling. And then they do this whole thing of, like, and the baby's crying for her, and belugas, um, like, sense the cries through their teeth or whatever. It's like, so she can literally feel her baby's cries and can do nothing. <laughs> it's so dramatic. Yeah. So eventually the mom manages to get off, but the other one's bigger than her. And they're like, she breaks free. The other one does not. <laughs> and you know the polar bear is like behind them somewhere because he was chasing them and that's where they tried to get away from him. And then, anyway, so they get away, so mom and baby. But then they cut back and they're like, they survived. This one was not as lucky and then they show a polar bear eating him. But anyway, but I'm like, if he probably just started eating it. He probably didn't kill it first. He probably just started eating it because he didn't have to kill it, you know? Like, what is a beluga going to do to a polar bear? It's awful. Anyway, so he has to eat. That's fine. But, like, it's awful. Anyway, so they did that, but this is why belugas are the best, okay? So, another animal in that general area, narwhals, okay? Super mm-hmm. awesome. Well, they found this narwhal who was super separated. He was, like, hundreds of miles away from the nearest narwhal, so he was totally separated. Like, he doesn't know how to hunt here, and they also talked about the tooth, and yeah. they stunned the prey. Um, but anyway, so he was totally separated. Like, if he doesn't, like find someone he's going to die because he mm-hmm. doesn't know how to hunt here this is not where he's really supposed to be and he came across a group of like younger male belugas and they're like we'll see if they accept him kind of thing and they sway him up and they're just like what's up because they're kind of closely related so they're cousins as they describe them in this yeah but anyway they're like okay so we'll see how it is next year next winter or something like if he's still with them that means they actually adopted him and he can survive because they can help him hunt and stuff if not he's gonna die Anyway, so they're, and this is the first time they've seen this behavior, 
But anyway, so they watch it. Also, total spoilers. We're <laughs> but anyway, so the next year comes around, and he's still with them. So he's just <laughs> swimming along with the belugas, and they adopted him. The belugas saved him. They're the best, Casey. They're the best. <laughs> anyway, so I recommend that one. So there's only mostly safe because the one is sad, but you don't see it get killed, at mm-hmm. least. And it wasn't like a horrible bloody mess. So hopefully he just killed it quickly. Or maybe it like suffocated. Actually it wouldn't have suffocated because it would just have air the whole time. I don't know. Anyway. It's flung those get crushed. That's true. It sucks because they're just, yep. and he's trying to get off for so mm-hmm. long. I'm like, oh, it sucks. Anyway, so if I was a blue guy, I want to be up in the party town where like the thousands of them <laughs> and scratch your back. That place seems awesome. <laughs> the other place not so awesome. <laughs> And then, of course, they talked about the travel that they're doing under the ice. Like, if the ice closes in, they just drown because mm-hmm. they can't get up to get air. But they didn't show that, so that's good. So, anyway, new one to add to the list. Um, this is specifically a series in Episode 3, Beluga Kingdom. Mostly safe. You can watch that one. But um, speaking of whales, Casey, let's talk about what you wanted to talk about today. Yes. So... There's been a sighting of a gray whale in the Atlantic Ocean. Is that weird? I don't yes, remember. Yes, it's okay. weird. So, in May, there was a 26-foot-long gray whale found in the Mediterranean, and researchers have given him the nickname Wally. Okay. <laughs> he was first spotted off the coast of Morocco in April. He, unfortunately, appears to be getting thinner with each sighting, so researchers are worried about whether or not he will survive. Mm-hmm. The biggest question is how he got over there because gray whales are suspected to have gone extinct in the Atlantic in the 18th century. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. All known populations alive today are in the Pacific Ocean along the west coast of America, North America. Yeah. Sightings on the other side of the Americas have been rare and sporadic. One was spotted in the Mediterranean near Israel back in 2010. Then another one was spotted around... Our Namibia a few years ago. Whoa, that's all over the place. Okay. Yes, that one was probably among the longest migrating mammals ever recorded. Wow, okay. Yep. And researchers never found these individuals ever again. And due to Wally's size, some think that he may have actually been born in the Atlantic, meaning there's maybe some individuals living and breeding in the Atlantic Mm, Ocean. Okay. However, others have gotten closer and looks um, at him have and they have come to the conclusion that he was actually born back in January 2020 in the Pacific Ocean. They suspect that he got confused on his migration due to the mm-hmm. receded ice caps and went beyond his typical feeding grounds and eventually arrived in the Atlantic. Wow. Yes, this suggests that in future migration there may be more gray whales entering the Atlantic Oceans. Scientists have already observed bowhead whales are staying north rather than migrating south due to climate change affecting ocean temperatures. And this is a general trend in which more northern living species will travel farther from their typical range as a result of climate change. Is that because their food is affected by? Yes. Are these mostly krill eaters and stuff like that? Okay. Yep. But it has also happened with a walrus that was also named Wally who ended up in Ireland. And yes, I remember that. Yes, he had to get put down. Oh, yeah. poor guy. He wasn't doing well. Oh. And uh, sometime last year, I believe, there was a beluga that came all the way down to San Diego. What? Yeah. That's not good. Nope. It's not great at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this may become an increasing problem in the future. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. Yeah. 
But it doesn't exist, and we don't need to do anything about it. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, well, um, okay. Is that it on the... That's yes, that's... Like, found over there. It's like, what, what are you doing here? Yep. Okay. It's all well, on it's Wally. It's kind of cool, though. I wonder if there is, like, a pod that's, like, over there. Some suspect that eventually they may move over. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons that they think that is to avoid orcas. Hmm. I wonder. <laughs> yeah, because um, one reason would be why they would eventually make the trek over the Atlantic to avoid them is they don't want to be around their predators. And one way to avoid that would be going to new location. And the mammal predatory species over in the Atlantic probably haven't preyed upon gray whales since the 18th century, so likely that culture of hunting that species whales has died out and they wouldn't be as threatened. Right. Depending on... Take them a while to adapt to hunting them again. Yeah, because those ones um, typically hunt minke whales further north. Well, Mm -hmm. also I should stop calling them orcas. They're very clearly killer whales. (laughs) That's their name. I call them orca. Killer whale. Murder whales. (laughs) Anyway, all right. Well, that is um, kind of cool and awful at the same mm-hmm. time. It's cool if, like, that's naturally happening, not because they're not finding food and stuff, yeah. but, like, if there are some over there still. Well, um, I was on Facebook looking. Most I go there for animal videos. Let's be real. Okay, I have to think. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel rude about saying this because have you ever met, like, some of the older people that like our grandparents and stuff and it's like oh you can talk to so and so on my face or the facebook <laughs> yes well even when i was doing one of my productions of 25th annual putnam county spelling bee i was in doing it with a, a college at the time and our music director was working with a high school at the same time mm-hmm. and we had a facebook group usually we use it in theater because it's very easy to keep in touch and like talk about like rehearsal stuff or just you know communicate easily which you can't really do on other platforms mm-hmm. And um, so she was talking to the high schools about they're like only middle aged people are on Facebook. <laughs> like wow, uh, which is kind of true. Like younger people are not really on it. It's like and now it's like being taken over by like the like sixty plus year old. Yeah, people. I've. But I still like it for communication purposes, and I just you know I see a lot, I have a lot of like animal pages I follow and hiking pages and stuff. Anyway, so I'm in a insect art. Well, it's an arthropod group. Yeah. But, on Facebook. Of course, on Facebook, there are those ridiculous games that are like, what kind of bread would you be? And like, you know, those kind of, not like a quiz, like you just click on the picture and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, or like, what house are you meant to live in? And I saw one of my friends who happens to be a knight at Medieval Times, and he got a Frisian. And I was like, that's so cool and fitting for you because you don't just ride Frisians, you, but you ride big horses because mm-hmm. they have to have all that shit on them. Yeah. Anyway, um, and then... <laughs> So I was like, oh, I want to see what kind of horse I am. I will have to post screenshots of this. Um, My horse is very basic, and it's holding a rose. And I feel like I'm just a clean-cut horse who, like, is looking for love or something. You know, like, it's just like somebody loved me. Um, But anyway, so it just turned into this amazing thing because it evolved from me (laughs) having that picture of my friends commenting. And the pictures I have now shown Casey are ridiculous. Some of my friends look like, I have to screenshot all of these together because one looks like they're just crazy. You know those pictures of like, I think it's like huskies. What's the other dog? It might be like um, Shiba Inu or something, but like they're Mm -hmm. trying to get pictures of them and like the ones that are like black and white are always facing forward and the one white one is like backward (laughs) or has a funny face or whatever. 
Um, anyway, that's what it's like. She's like a crazy one, and then it's just it's this crazy mess of horses. But the point is, that got me thinking about horses, and Frisians specifically, and we cover breeds occasionally. Yes. And I want to be doing a dog breed every month, but I also occasionally want to do other special things, like we've done a kitty, an Abyssinian, and a what kind of bunny? It was a Netherland, no, Dutch. Try again, the third option. Holland Lop. There we go, Holland Lop. So we did a cat and a bunny, and I was like, horses, also Frisians, they're awesome. Now this is an adventure, folks. So I typed in, of course, because there's no AKC for horses, so I typed in Frisian breed information. It took me to Briar, which is a company that makes toy horses which are very nice, like their model horses are great. And I was a spoiled little kid, like you could get, what was, I think it was like Grand Champions back in the day, was this one brand of horse toys, and then Briars. Briars are twice the price, but they're like really well made. They also break easier. Yeah, um, I remember um, one camping ground I love going to all the time is in Rancho Oso, and that's because on the campground there's also a ranch full yeah. of people's horses. Yeah, it's great. So anyway, but Briar had a lot of information, and it was also just like, I just for funsy looked at like the horses, and I'm like, some of them are like $50, and I was just like, oh, reminiscing. A toy? Yes. They're really, really, like they're really well made. Like it's not like a cheapo kid's toy where it's just like a crappy looking horse. Like they're really well made, but they also do breakies. Okay, now it makes me think of like the oh, ceramic dolls people spend too much money know. on. You don't There are conventions. There are briar conventions. You can buy accessories. Buying like the saddles, they'd be like 50 bucks for a saddle, which they're made out of leather. So I think that's why, but mm-hmm. like it was crazy. When you're, when you're actually an equine person, this is a thing. Anyway, so briar... For some reason, I did not look to see what other breeds they have information on, but they have information on a Frisian and Casey. Mm. It's better than the AKC. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. The history of the Frisian. Dating back to the Middle Ages, the bold and powerful Frisian horse, which was originally bred to be a Frisian knight's war horse. Makes sense. They're giant. Mm-hmm. Strong and powerful, the Frisian horse exuded the qualities that would carry his lord boldly into battle and possessed the courage and loyalty to carry him back out of harm's way. Fortunately for horses, warfare changed and so did the attackable <laughs> Frisian horse. That is like the, the meanest okay. thing. Hopefully, fortunately for horses who could stop being slaughtered horribly. That reminds me of like, <laughs> I just, this all, all of a sudden came up, but one of the black, I think it was one of the Black Ops games, mm-hmm. Call of Duty. It's like, there's this part where you ride horses into battle. Not a good choice. <laughs> Not with modern warfare. Nope. So Just send the, the drones. <laughs> so in the early 1800s, the Frisian horse was bred to be lighter and faster in order to accommodate the popular trotting races in Europe. Of course it was. Due to the mecha- mechanization of the farms, as well as crossbreeding, the purebred Frisian was nearly extinct by the end of World War I. With the one remaining stallion and a few mares, a small group of people from Friesland, I didn't know that was actually a place, oh. a region in the northernmost part of the Netherlands, it's a Netherlands horse. If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Undertook a challenge to restore the Frisian horse to its original form. This resulted in an increase in population that assured the continuation of the magnificent breed. Anyway, then it goes on to say that the Frisian horse was originally introduced to North America in the 17th century and was eventually lost due to crossbreeding. How dare they? I know. The Frisian horse did not find its way to North America again until 1974 with 
vowed determination to maintain the purity and standards of the breed. The Frisian Horse Association of North America was formed following the strict standards of the, here we go, Koninklijkeverenigging. What was that? Pardon Stambwick. I'm going to guess that's Dutch. So I will link this, obviously. You can read it for yourself. The original mother stud book in the Netherlands. So anyway, it goes on to say the breed standards, which they, if they're registered, they have to be jet black. There's no white allowed anywhere. Like no stars, no little boots, nothing. Um, All right. So anyway, it goes on to this. I just have to tell you because it's a little crazy. Um, I just want to see where it says. Do, 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 do. Okay, well, whatever. So to maintain the integrity of the breed, the registration of Frisian horses is strictly regulated by the Frisian Horse Association of North America, working together with KFPS, which is the other one, in the Netherlands. Um, so <laughs> I guess I'll get The Frisian horse is very charismatic. Their gentle and winning nature provides a strong base for versatile training. The intelligence of the Frisian leads to a rewarding partnership between horse and owner. Uses of the Frisian horse are limitless. Dressage, trail and pleasure riding, pleasure driving, combined driving, saddle seat, and more! Exclamation point. See, I already associate horse owners with pretentious, and this further that reinforces it. Um, and the handsome appearance and naturally animated motion provide a noble presence in any show ring, parade trail, or just your own paddock. Anyway, so yeah, so the registered ones have to be jet black. They can't have anything on. But this is where it gets crazy is like what you have to do to actually get it registered. And if you want to breed, cool, it's a thing. So, all right, so the KPS, KFPS, excuse me, Frisian horse in North America is one of only a few breeds that require both DNA testing and microchipping. And its members take great pride in maintaining and promoting the purity and integrity of the Frisian breed. Here we go. This is the best part. Today, there are approximately 8,000 Frisian horses located throughout North America. Currently, there are 24 Frisian stallions in North America. 24! That are approved for breeding purposes. The best stallions are selected at the fall inspections. There are inspections for this. They have, like, notes on how to check all this stuff. Because this is perfectly fine mm-hmm. for healthy genetics. Yep, yep. To participate mm. in the central providing event, proving event, excuse me, a 70-day test where the stallions are trained and evaluated in riding and driving. And at the end of the testing, the top horses are offered the opportunity to have a provisional breeding license. <gasps> they are allowed limited breeding privileges for five to six years, and then a limited number of their offspring are also evaluated. At this time, the stallion may be offered an unlimited breeding license. Can we do this for people? (laughs) Press the test to show you're responsible. Yes. Um, And then with such strict, or sorry, with such stringent testing, if you are one of the lucky few to have bred an approved stallion, you have captured lightning in a bottle. (laughs) Only the best of the best are approved. It's crazy. Anyway. Only the best of the best send the inbred. Yeah. So then they're trying to control inbreeding too. I'm like, maybe if you offered more <laughs> options. Uh, crazy. So anyway, it, I just wanted you to know about that craziness. But also on this, well, then if you go to the actual Frisian Horse Association of North America, the Fahana website, they have, I first of all, 
It's amazing. Okay. So they have all kinds of stories in there. There's like educational articles and it's like all the stuff about like um, inspections and all the stuff and how to do this and how to breed and how to blah, 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 all these things you can do. I'm just picking three of the things I saw as I was reading that made me giggle. One was preventing stable mischief. <laughs> Medieval trappings or putting your horse in a dress. <laughs> what? Mark. Wait, so are you allowed to or not? I think you can. What? Why? For like, probably like, I'm sure like rent fairs and stuff. Because these are old <laughs> night horses. Anyway, and then photographing your foal. This <laughs> is another one. But one of the things they had in there, and I'm only going to read a little bit of it. <clears throat> they have a literal timeline of the history of the Frisian horse. Okay, just giving you the first little bit here. 1500 to 1600, Arabian blood introduced to the horse that descended from... Equus robustus <laughs> through Andalusian horses of Spain. Equus okay. robustus. Mm -hmm. This is horse shit. <laughs> Literally. Okay. <laughs> 1526. Hungarian King Louis II used heavy Frisian horses in battle against the Turks. 1568. Etches by Stradinus showing a Frisian stallion in the stables of Don Juan of Austria. And then 1624, Electoral Prince George William of Prussia imported Frisian horses. 1625, Frisian horses were being exported to New Amsterdam, the future New York City. 1664, the Dutch were forced to leave New Amsterdam to the English. The purebred Frisian horses were quickly lost. And then there's a whole bunch more that I will link all this and you can go check it out for yourself. But anyway, um, they're amazing. Obviously, I will have a picture of them. They're gorgeous. Basically, um, oh, where did I get the actual specs of them? There were actual specs, I swear, that I was going to tell you. 15 to 17 hands high. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's, they break it down on feet, too, though. Because we learned hands is 4 inches. Uh, 60 Here, to yeah. 68 centimeters. Height of 1.6 meters, 15.3 hands high is how tall they are. They're super tall. They are gorgeous. They are usually jet black. They might have a little bit of white on them somewhere, but their manes are beautiful. Their tails are beautiful. They're also huge. I had, my mom had a friend, a past coworker who bred them and we went with him one time. And it's so funny because I grew up when I was younger, I was equine stuff. I did stuff. And they're so funny because if you're grooming them and you're trying to like do something with their forelock and they don't want you to, they just lift their head up. You can't reach that. You have to have a stool. And then when you're walking them, most horses, you just kind of like walk and they walk beside you and it's fine. No, no, with a Frisian, their normal stride, you're doing a light jog <laughs> to keep up. They're so big. They're beautiful. But anyway, they are a gorgeous horse. But when I read all of these descriptions, I was just like, this is even better than the AKC. So uh, and I thought dog people were some piece of work. Oh, horse people have to have more money. Um, <laughs> I know that's why they're pretentious. <laughs> so um, anyway, not that all horse people are, because people just have. I know they're not all. I horses, I have like, friends that are horse people. But like when you're doing show stuff, yeah, mm -hmm, it's expensive. Anyway, um, but I also didn't do well in 4-H because I did the horse version and I didn't like judging horses based on their appearance. And that's what you do. <laughs> anyway, so the Frisian is gorgeous. Obviously, I will link these. Um, these websites and then um and then you can also see the briar horses casey and how wonderful the toys are mm. the other animals they make not so good but the horse is real good anyway so yeah so that's our first horse breed and that is the frisian they are gorgeous and i will link those articles and also probably try to screen cap the horse adventure that led to me looking into horses anyway which was real fun yeah. but um in no in no segue at all 
we get to our picks this week, which were Casey's choice. I guess, was there a horse in Charlotte's Web? I don't remember a horse in Charlotte's I don't remember Web, one. Wilbur and the rat. <laughs> All right. I remember there was a cow, I think. I think? I don't know. Anyway. But oh, wait. I think there was. Charlotte's Web does take place at stables where you would yeah. find horses. So in the stables where you find Frisians, you might also find these. Except <laughs> for not, because those are Netherlands. And yep. this is not Netherlands. But anyway. Nope. All right. So, Casey, what was what was your our favorite pick this week? It was spiders. It was. I'm going to just say, initially, he had it as South American spiders. I try to keep it consistent with the continent. Try to, but we don't always do that. But then the South American ones are not cute, and they're, they're terrifying. They're cool. They're cool. They're terrifying. They're cool and terrifying. Mm-hmm. But Asian spiders, super cool, and Australian spiders, super cool. So anyway, continue. So who is your favorite spider, Casey? My favorite spider is the Porsche jumping spider. It looks pretty cute. Isn't that basically what Lucas is? No, like locust is a bold jumping spider. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. They are actually found in the United States. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. But he is a jumping spider. He is a jumping spider. Yes. So the scientific name for this particular species is Portia fimbriata. Okay. They belong to the family Celticity, which are the jumping spiders. Woo-hoo. And it is the most diverse spider family with over 5,000 species worldwide. Wow. Yes. And there's approximately 17 species in the genus Portia. And they are found in Asia, Australia, and Africa. Nice. <laughs> These guys live in rainforest habitat of Australia, Sri Lanka, and Malaysia. And they're about a centimeter long. They're, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a jumping spider. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that little? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a little spider. It's pretty big for a jumping spider, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, like compared to yours. Spider. Wow. Yeah. Insult it, why don't you? I will. <laughs> and they display cryptic markings and are often mistaken as detritus by predators and prey. Okay. And they are arachnophagic. What does that mean? It means they eat spiders. Oh snap. Yes. They specialize like snake. Yeah. They specialize in hunting other spiders, but they will also prey on insects on occasion. Okay. Yep. And they primarily depend on their silk as a safety net when jumping rather than capturing prey. And like all jumping spiders, they have excellent vision. Okay. And it is far better than any tarantulas, which is a spider that most people are associated with. Okay. They have two large forward-facing eyes that gives them stereoscopic vision. Stereoscopic? What is that specifically? Binocular vision. Oh, okay. Same as us. Okay. And they have multiple smaller eyes around their head, which gives them near 360 degrees of vision. Wow. So there's no sneaking up on them. And they are often called the world's most intelligent spider species. Okay. Yeah. Unlike many other spiders, they can recognize prey even when it's not moving. Wow. Yes. And can distinguish the front and back end of their prey. Okay. They have one of the largest brains in comparison to body size. That includes vertebrates. Wow. Yes. All space in the cephalothorax, which is where the head and the legs come together. Okay. All space that is not occupied by muscle or digestive tissue is devoted to nervous tissue. Okay. Yes. And some of the nervous tissue even extends into the base of their legs. Oh. Yep. Unlike most jumping spiders, though, the Porsche will build nests to catch prey. And sometimes it will catch insects, even though the web's not particularly sticky. But it usually won't eat the insects. 
Instead, they will wait for another spider to come the near the prey. Yes, they will. Or I guess bait. I mean. Yes, they will wow. leave it until another spider comes, and then they will kill that spider. There you go. And another. I mean, to be fair, that's almost like you're stealing food from someone. Yeah. So. <laughs> but what they usually do is go out and hunt spiders rather than wait for them. I just imagine a little spider like. Stalking. <laughs> it's really cool to watch. Okay. <laughs> One hunting tactic they will is they will go to other spiders that are web builders, mm-hmm. and what they'll do is they'll go up and start plucking at the web edges, and because of how they look and them plucking the wedge, the spider that actually build the web thinks it's debris in the it's web, oh. and then it'll come to clean out its web, oh, and no. then the jumping attacks spider it. attacks it. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. That is the Porsche That's jumping cool. spider. I'm not as freaked out by them as other things, yeah. but mm. you know. All right. Well, the jumping spiders are clearly the cutest. There were some <laughs> other cool spiders, but the jumping spiders are the cutest. And as Casey thought, I went for the cutest one of all. All of my things have peacock in the words, like the peacock industry. <laughs> anyway, I chose the peacock jumping spider. Their scientific name is Meritus volinus. Nope, nope. Volens. Volens? It's Volens. Volens. There are more than 80 species in the genus... Genus? Why does it say genus? In the (laughs) genus Meritus. Found in certain regions of Australia. In fact, all but one peacock jumping spider species uh, are only found in southern half of Australia. The southern half of Australia is like the cool part of Australia. All of our animals have been southern something (laughs) down there, I feel like. All right. Peacock spiders are very small and usually only average about around four millimeters in size. They are teeny tiny. Yep. How can you see those little <laughs> colors? You have to get like a microscope to see all that color. It's called actually. a macro lens, which yeah. I really want, but they're expensive. There you go. <laughs> anyway, they are voracious predators. They feed or they feed on a variety of small anthropods from small crickets. Not anthropods. Arthropods. Arthropods, sorry, I keep saying that. Human feet is. Human feet is what they pronounce. <laughs> Take that again. They are voracious predators. They feed on a variety of small arthropods, from small crickets even to other spiders. They also go after spiders. But mm-hmm. are they actively hunting the other spiders, though, or are they just kind of like, well, you're here? They will hunt other spiders okay. actively. There we go. Um, They're very opportunistic. Because of their small size, they have several predators. Oh, so they have evolved. I'm trying again. I've read that really weird. Because they're small size, they have several predators. So they have evolved great jumping abilities and can jump up to 40 times their own body length. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. That's where Peter Parker got his stuff. So <laughs> he swings, but still. Yeah. Um, anyway, like other jumping spiders, they have great eyesight. They can see the entire spectrum of visible light as well as into the UV spectrum. They are a sexually dichromic dichromic where am I getting that from? They are a sexually dimorphic species. Get their name because males have bright coloration, especially compared to the females, just like actual peacocks. <laughs> males will put on a display dance, flashing the colors of their abdomen and waving their arms in order to impress a female into courtship. I think that's why I like these the most, because usually they have their pictures where they're like, yeah. up and they're all like, woo! Yeah. I feel like do other jumping spiders do that? I feel like this is them. They're like a bird spider because yeah. they act like birds <laughs> that way. Um, but anyway, they're super cool. I should have to see if I can find like a video of them that I can share. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, oftentimes if the female is not impressed enough, she will kill and eat the male. Yep. <laughs> How dare you waste my time? 
However, I will eat you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I like them even more now. Yeah, I saw this one video of one. Um, a male was trying to impress the female. Then a challenger came and tried to out um, show off the male that was already there. And the female ate him. The challenger? Yes. She was like, I liked him more. She's like, I can eat and have a date. Great. Yep. Dinner, <laughs> dinner and night. And then sometimes if they do decide they are worthy, they will still eat their mates. <laughs> You gotta be careful with, with yeah. peacock jumping spiders if you're a guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, so they're super cute. Not all spiders are spiders. Spiders are scary, everybody. They're some none really, of them are. They're really cute ones. Well, if we had to do those South American <laughs> ones, it was not gonna be great. Um, but anyway, yeah. So those are our, our favorite picks. And Casey, Addie, this is like a childhood joke. So I think oh, you can get Lordy. this one. What do spiders eat in Paris? In Paris. Yes. Really, this should really be America because they don't call this there. (laughs) I don't know. French flies. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I don't think they call anything that in French. They definitely don't in the UK. No, it's crisps. Yeah, well, that's the UK. I don't know what Paris, what France calls them, though. It really should be in America. Mm -hmm. American Mm -hmm. food. But it's like funny when I watch British shows and it's like, um, fish. They ask for crisps, and it's like, what's a crisp? Mm-hmm. I know, all the things also, and the boots and all the things. I'm like, what I are you talking about? I, when I heard biscuits, I thought they meant biscuits. I know. It's like, you know. We had one, speaking of tongue twisters from earlier, we had one that we had to do because the music director spent a lot of time in, in um, the UK. So I'm sure you're familiar with red leather, yellow leather as a tongue twister. Mm-hmm. You, this is a person, I feel like you've heard that. Red lorry, yellow lorry for a truck. Try saying that one. March harder. Red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry. So now the fun thing is to switch back and forth. So it's like red leather, yellow leather, red lorry, yellow lorry, red leather, yellow leather, red lorry, yellow lorry. Yeah, see, I'm starting to fall apart. It's really hard. Anyway, okay. So. See, I have a speech impediment. I can't do that. Oh, the fun of theater warm-ups. All right, well, that brings us to our animal of the week, who is obviously from South America because we are in South America right now. And I just need to say a side note. I remember yeah. when I was a kid, I did not know these were in South America. Where did you think they were? I thought they were Africa. Just because they're big. Yes. That's why. <laughs> you were just like, they're big. They must be there. Yeah. All right. And our animal of the week is... The giant anteater. The giant anteater. I think this is one of the first animals we ever talked about when we were very... In the very beginning, yeah. we were trying to come up with animals. Anyway, I'm excited for them. So tell us about them, Casey. Yes. So these guys come from the order Pelosa. Okay. That is the group that consists of anteaters and sloths. Okay. Or sloths if you're British. Sloths? I've never heard anyone call Really? That. I could have sworn. I'm positive David Attenborough always says a sloth. Except okay. with a British accent, so it's not as big of an emphasis. I know that we have a couple listeners in the UK region. Please let us know if that is accurate or if Casey is full of it. I don't know. I might be. <laughs> okay. That's my anti-Brit attitude. <laughs> yes, and these guys come from the family Myrmecophagidae. Myrmecophagus? That's the thing where they eat ants? Yes. <laughs> I'll remember it this season. Do you remember what that dog was? <laughs> anyway, moving on. The Jindo. Yay! We're good luck. Okay. And the species name is Myrmecophaga tridactyla. Okay. Three something. Three digits. Okay. Yes. So these guys are found throughout Central and South America, ranging from Belize down to Argentina. Okay. 
and they live in a variety of habitats but are most often in forests or grasslands. All right. And they have been known to live in captivity up to 25 years. Nice. And they are the largest anteater species in the world. Hence, giant. Yes. They can be two meters long and weigh 55 kilograms. Oh, that's pretty good. Yes. And as the scientific name and family name suggests, they are myrmecophagus, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. meaning they feed on ants and termites. Yay! Uh, they will eat feed on other insects as well, and occasionally fruit that falls from trees. Okay. And they are a solitary species and are only together when mating or when a mother is with her pup, which she will carry around her on her back for the first year of its life. Wow. Yes. That's kind of a long time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's really cute. They're like, Oh, I want to see them. Yep. One unique feature is that they have very long, coarse hairs on their tail, which they would use to act as a blanket or sunshade. <laughs> okay. Like they yep. put it over themselves? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yep. They have very poor eyesight and primarily rely on their sense of smell to find ant and termite colonies. All right. And they have very large, curved claws that they will use to rip open into termite mounds. Yep. Yep. And because of that, they will walk on their wrists in order to walk avoid walking on their claws to prevent them from getting worn down. Okay. And like other anteaters, they do not have teeth. Right. They use their very long, well, first they can use their long and narrow head mm-hmm. and snout to stick their head into termite mounds. And their tongue is so long. Yes, they have a 50 centimeter long tongue to lick up the ants and termites. It's really cool at the park. I don't remember who they do it with because it's not a giant anteater. It's a tamandua. That's what it is. And they have the tube thing, and mm-hmm. they do, it's so cool. Yeah. So when they can start doing the demonstrations again, if you can go to the wild animal park, I suggest do it. Yep. And the tongue is coated in very sticky saliva and has small backward-facing spines to help them collect the ants. It's crazy. Yep. And it's very fast. They can flick its tongue 150 times per minute. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. they got to get a lot of food. Ants <laughs> don't give you that much. Nope. <laughs> They have very thick skin and fur around their face, which helps them prevent getting bites and stings. Mm-hmm. Also, they're very sustainable when feeding. They will only feed from a single termite mound for about a minute before going on to another one. Oh, that's good. So they won't mm-hmm. totally decimate the population there. Yep. Giant anteaters figured out how to use their resources in the world. Humans can yeah. learn something from them. Yeah. There's a concept in evolution biology, I remember, that's related to that. It's... Basically, organisms will selfish and will do things even if it it will it benefits them, but it will eventually lead to their demise. Yeah, and they will still do it. Um, but one way they have adapted to a diet with such low energy is they have a low metabolic rate and body temperature. Okay. So they waste very little energy, and they are currently listed as vulnerable by the IUCN Red List. Population is currently in decline, and it is considered the most threatened mammal in Central America. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. They are listed under Appendix 2 by of CITES. And major threats, the biggest one is habitat loss, but as well as fires is destroying their habitat. Mm-hmm. Also, it's been a while. Say what CITES is again. <laughs> you don't have it written down. Memorize it. I am trying to memorize it. Also, IUCN, we haven't said in a while either. International... IUCN, I can remember because it's easy. International Union of Conservation of Nature. Okay. And CITES is... 
And CITES is the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora. There we go. Okay. Just for people if they haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> yes. And the fires are often deliberate because they will set fires on sugarcane before they harvest it. Oh. Yeah. Weird. Yes. I don't know why. Apparently that's part of the process for harvesting sugarcane. I don't know. That's strange. Okay. Yeah. They are also hunted as food by some locals and considered pests. Because they destroy crops? Apparently. What are they really destroying? Like, they go after termites. There might be ants that are nearby and destroy the fields or something. Okay. I don't know. They also may just be perceived that way. Right. And they are ranked 143 amongst mammals by EDGE, which is Evolutionary Distinct Globally Endangered and that means that they've had, what? what is the number again? Well, their rank is 143, which means relatively unique and endangered species. Mm-hmm. Um, the species in particular represents about 300, not 300, <laughs> 32.71 million years of unique evolutionary there history. Okay. But Moore's perspective, close relative to um, is the pygmy sloth, which they share an ancestor about 55 million years ago. Okay. Yep. They have also assessed it is as receiving very low levels of conservation attention with little action taking place over most of its territory. Hmm. Okay. The most important objectives they have set is to develop strategy for landscape conservation and reducing vehicle collisions. Mm, Okay. They're not that fast, right? So it'd be easy to hit them. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also needs to be more general research on things like their natural history, ecology, health, and genetics. Mm, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure they have one. I think it is a giant anteater right at the zoo. Yeah, they have a pair over at the San Diego Zoo. Yeah, they're really cool. So if you're yeah. ever in San Diego, go. I'm sure other major zoos probably have them too, but mm-hmm. San Diego Zoo is, we're learning, world famous for a reason. <laughs> um, anyway... Uh, but they have one. It's really cool. Just to watch them even walk. I just like watching them walk. They're yeah. cool. Anyway, yeah. So that is our awesome animal of the week, the giant anteater. I'm really happy we put that one in just because I think that was literally the first animal we came up with <laughs> when we were talking about animals to do. All right. Well, that brings us to the challenge. So it's my turn to choose our challenge. And I decided, based on our um, wild success of last season with our cups challenge, we're going to start it right away this time because right. we failed. So there's a cup in front of you, Casey. There's a cup in front of me, and you know the drill. And now we are upping it, upping it, upping it to five minutes. That is what we're going to keep so we have a prayer of getting through this. All right, who's going first? We never plan this. No, Okay, it's me. Great. Are we hey. ready? Yes. Go. Oh, your favorite, can't say that word. Um, <laughs> it's a really big fish. Oh, uh, mola mola. No, but like it's <laughs> um, like Jaws. Oh, uh, great hammerhead. Yes. Okay, not north, but... South. And when it's an adjective, it's... Southern. um, It's a dull color. Brown. And it's a bird, but also a fruit. Also a fruit? Um, A southern brown kiwi? Yes. Okay. I just said one of the birds. That's good. Um, whoa, this is obviously a random one. Okay, there's an island off of Africa. Madagascar? Yep. And if you can't see... You're blind. Yep. 
And this is not a lizard, a different type of very popular reptile. Snake? Yes. So put Madagascar blind snake? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's a rodent. Okay. A coochie? A gooty? No, it's in it's northern latitudes. Um, I'm gonna need Amara? I'm just going to start yelling out rodents. I don't know any more than that. It's chunky. Chunky? I think they're chunky. I don't really know how to describe this one. Is it a marmot? Yes. Okay. That's only because I made these. I never would have known that. Okay. Oh, this is a bird that you find down in like South America a lot. It's also on a breakfast cereal. A breakfast cereal. Toucan? Yes. World's biggest deer. I should know that. Elk? No. Fuck. Um, white tail. Big deer? antlers. Moose. Yes. I didn't know that. Just say Alaska, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, this was my favorite. Can't say that word. Oh, there's one in Finding Nemo, and it's the school teacher. They're the bus. It's the bus. Oh, the ray. Mm-hmm, but it's like... Spotted eagle ray? Yes, there we go. This is a rodent from <laughs> South America. <laughs> An aguchi? No. An aguchi? No. Uh, uh, capybara? No. So chinchilla? No. <laughs> I need more than a rodent from um, South America. A paca? No. Um. Um. They're quadrupedal. Like um, quadrupedal. I know, but big ears ish. The Maras aren't from South America. Yeah. Are they? Oh, they are. Okay. Looks like a rabbit, dude. Okay. Oh, rabbit? What? They totally like rabbits. Okay, this is a type of fish. Um, that color that you're supposed to slow down at a stoplight. Red. No, slow down, not stop. Yo. Yep. And mm, a lot of times, I don't know how to get that word out. Um, when a, oh, that's there. Those sticks that go across bird cages and they do something on them. Perches? Yes. Perch. So put those two. Yellow perch. Yay. They do not look like rabbits. Okay, when you mix... Okay, you find these in tide pools. They're pokey. Uh, urchin? A sea urchin? A purple sea urchin? Yes. Okay, yay. Okay, this was your favorite from that spotted eagle one. This was your favorite. The whole name. Osh giant manta ray. Oceanic manta ray. There we go, yeah. This was your favorite lepidopteran from a certain group. Lepidopteran from a certain group was one of the butterflies. So it's the, um, oh, the, the probably the complicated one, the pipe vine swallowtail butterfly. Yep. Okay, great. Um, oh, this was your favorite suidae. Babalusa. Yes. Well, it's Scottish, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Scottish? Okay, um, when something is, hmm. Not striped, but spotted. And this is a bird that drills through wood. Uh, oh, you can't say that word. No, nope. know what that is because I put these in yesterday. Put it aside. Okay, okay. This is a type of antelope. It's also a type of car. In Supernatural, they drive it. Antelope and car. Uh huh. Like it's a Chevy. Um, it's. Um, I don't know how to... Antelope. Yeah. Um, um, gazelle. It's... What? 
Thompson. One of the the casinos down in like the Valley Center area, not Pama, but the other one. You think I go to casinos? (laughs) Okay. Well, let's see how we did. Okay. (laughs) Okay. No, you can throw it away. All right, I think I have seven over here. Yes, I have seven. Six. Thirteen. Math. Yep. <laughs> okay, that was better than we usually do, but we were doing like ten when we were doing three minutes. Yeah. So it wasn't great. All right. Well, that. Oh, oh, trying to gather them up. This is like, you know, we can do this after. It's fine. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the challenge and the end of episode 44. Nope, 45. Nope. Wait, you. yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we're your host, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you 